church as we all like to say you look very beautiful today <laughs> um, so welcome to the village church where our mission is to know Jesus to enjoy Jesus and to glorify Jesus our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus love scanning the QR code located on the front of the worship guide allows you to connect to all online information about our church the giving of tithes and offerings along with our social media platforms, all in one place. Guests, please click on the menu item for first-time guests. At the Village Church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. You may give to the vision and mission of the church online, or you may mail a check to our address, 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, Alabama, 35811. Or after the service, you may drop your offering off in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. Today is the last day for our nursery worker, Miss Roberta. 
She has faithfully served our church since 2017. We will miss her. There is a card for her in the multipurpose room next to the nursery that you may sign and include a message. Today after worship at 10.50 a.m., Sunday equipping classes for kids, community walk for adults and teens. 6 p.m., leadership training. This week, Thursday, May 4th, 7 a.m., Shipman Men's Group at Just Love Coffee, 5 p.m., Goodson Men's Village Group in the church house. Saturday, May 6th, 11 a.m., picnic on the church grounds. And next Sunday, May 7th, 9.30 a.m., worship service, 11 a.m., first steps and village kids stay and play. And 12.15 p.m., Teague Village Group at the church house. And these are your announcements. Please govern yourselves accordingly. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Psalm uh, Psalm 103, verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. If you would bow your heads for a word of prayer. Lord, we have come into this place today to sing praises to your name, to magnify your name, to uh, effectively tell one another, hey, God is good. Remind each other, hey, God is good. God is great. Hey, let's celebrate him. That's why we're here today. And we're also here to um, experience the renewing power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. And so we just ask, Spirit, that you, um, you are with us. We know that um, we are sealed. You are our marker, uh, our, our stamp. But you are the Father's stamp on us. But we just ask you, Spirit, to move in a mighty way in this place this morning. That you would open our hearts and open our eyes, open our minds, illuminate the word as we hear it. Lord, let let your word fall on fertile, fertile soil this morning as it hits our ears and help us, Spirit, engage, not just for the sake of knowing more stuff, but to engage our hearts and our minds in what happens in this place. Magnifying you, glorifying you, encouraging one another to love and good works. 
Lord, let us freely cast our cares at your feet, knowing that you care for us. And we can take comfort in that. And Spirit, allow us to rejoice this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll worship your 
holy name. I'll worship your holy name. I'll worship your holy name, oh Lord. I'll worship your holy name. All the worship this morning is from Isaiah 65, uh, verse 1a, 2, and verse 23. Please join with me where it says, people. Thus saith the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. From new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. Amen. There is.
Good morning, everybody. So I was thinking about this uh, confession of sin. I was reminded of something that Paul wrote in Romans. He said in Romans 7, 21, I find then the principle that evil is present in me for one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our confession of sin comes from Numbers chapter 5, uh, uh, verses 6 and 7. When a man or woman commits any of the sins that people commit by breaking faith with the Lord and that person realizes his guilt he shall confess his sin that he has committed let's spend a few moments together in silence uh, confessing our sins to God assurance of pardon comes from Titus chapter 3, 4 through 6. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Thanks be to God. Um, this is a reading from Hosea nine ten through 17. Please stand if you are able. 
Like grapes in the wilderness, I've found Israel. Like the first fruit on the fig tree, in its first season, I saw your fathers. That they came to Baal Peor and consecrated themselves to the thing of shame and became detestable like the thing they loved. Ephraim's glory shall fly away like a bird. No birth, no pregnancy, no conception. Even if they bring up children, I will bereave them till none is left. Woe to them when I depart from them. Ephraim, as I have seen, was like a young palm planted in a meadow. But Ephraim must lead his children out to slaughter. Give them, O Lord, what will you give? Give them a miscarrying womb and dry breasts. Every evil of theirs is in Gilgal. There I began to hate them. Because of the wickedness of their deeds, I will drive them out of my house. I will love them no more. All their princes are rebels. Ephraim is stricken. Their root is dried up. They shall bear no fruit. Even though they give birth, I will put their beloved children to death. My God will reject them because they have not listened to them. To him. They shall be wanderers among the nations. This is the word of the Lord. is the word of the Lord. Okay, I didn't really hear y'all say that. I know it's tough to hear, but God's word is God's word. Amen. Even the parts that makes us uncomfortable. Let us go to the Lord now in prayers of supplication. Father, as uh, we begin the service, we bring to you any distractions that we have encountered this week that maybe some of us are even encountering right now in our minds and our hearts and our emotions. Uh, we bring to you just the things in our life that are just not well, our health, our finances, our future, our bodies, our relationships. It's like you know the things, all the things. You know them. You are personally engage with us. Your word says that we can cast all of our anxieties upon you because you really do care for us as your beloved. I pray that you would just simply help our unbelief because life happens. Life happens every day, every week, every month, every year. And as life happens, Lord, the one thing that's always constant, the one thing that that never changes is who you are for us. Even though sometimes it's hard to see your faithful hand, it's hard to see um, your goodness. But, Lord, your word tells us that you are good, Lord, that you are faithful, that you are a covenant-keeping God. We didn't make the, We don't make this stuff up. It, it comes to us from your word. But, Lord, we can't believe it if the Holy Spirit doesn't really change our hearts and give us the eyes to see. We live so much by, faith, by sight and unbelief that we just don't even know it at times. And so my prayer is 
that you will continue to minister to us, to the places where we actually do life. And I pray for all these things for our good and for the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the day the Lord has made, and we should do what? Rejoice and be glad in it. I want to say good morning to you all. My name is Pastor Alex. I'm the senior pastor here at the Village Church. I would like to thank all guests and members for uh, joining us today. It's glad to, to see you all. And if you have your Bible or your Bible app, please open it to Hosea chapter 9. That's Hosea chapter 9. Hosea is one of the Old Testament, one of the minor prophets in, in the Old Testament who prophesies to Israel, which is the northern kingdom. Last week, uh, Hosea invites Israel to a, a banquet of consequences. If you missed that sermon, then you just missed it because the audio didn't work last week. So just know it was about consequences. They experienced painful consequences for their sin of idolatry, for their refusal to confess and to uh, repent of their idolatry. And these natural uh, consequences, they, they aren't accidents. It's not bad luck. It's not karma. The Lord God is behind each one. They are expressions of his fatherly displeasure. That's an amen statement. Remember, there, the whole counsel of God, there are parts of that counsel you're not going to like. That's not going to make you feel good. That you're not going to turn into a Christian contemporary song. Because the parts of it are just hard. And now this morning in verses 10 through 17, we're, we're, we're going to see God, you know, picture this for a moment, if you can. Picture this for a moment. That, that God is, is, is setting in his fatherly displeasure with Israel. He's setting in it. And, and, and then his mind starts to wonder. It begins to drift back into time. Images of, of the past flashes uh, uh, before his eyes. The, the, the Lord God, he enters into a retrospection he, as he sits in his fatherly displeasure. He reviews his long historical covenant relationship with Israel. He reflects about the, the ups and downs of that relationship. He remembers them all. And that's what we're going to see in Hosea 9, verses 10 through 17. I've titled the sermon, Remember the Time. Remember the Time. The big idea of this sermon is this. that A love that makes us whole, it remembers all of our ups and downs in life. It remembers all of our ups and downs in life. Please know, God remembers all of our ups and downs. But do we believe that? Let us go and ask the Holy Spirit to bless the preaching of God's word. Holy Spirit, as I pray each week that you will be the counselor. That nothing that, that, that we do here in this service has any influence or any power apart from you taking it and using it 
in our life. Like if you don't move, we're really just going through the motions. We're just going through the motions. This just just becomes one more thing that we do in our busy schedule. If you don't move, if you don't come, it becomes one more thing. If you don't move, there's nothing special about what we do here apart from your presence with us. We don't make it special. You make it special. We, we don't draw our own hearts into worship. You have to do it. Forgive us for thinking that just because we can do things a certain way, that means you show up. Forgive us for thinking if we sing the right songs and do the right prayers and say the right confessions, then that creates worship. You have to do that. You take the elements and make them special. Not us. We are always recipients of grace and goodness. We don't create them. We're called into worship. We don't create it. So Holy Spirit, will you take everything that is said here in this sermon and use it to minister to all of us. And I pray for all this in Christ's name. Amen. Vivian France and Michael Terry wrote a, uh, a children's book uh, about friendship. The book is about two elephants uh, named Eli, named Ellie, and, and Elvis. They're best friends. They have a sweet friendship. You see, they enjoy each other's presence. Both like bananas. Do you like bananas? Both love oranges. You like oranges. And they both enjoy dancing on the light of the moon. Do you enjoy dancing? You see, these two best friends, they they enjoy spending time together. They enjoy each other's presence. Do you have a friend like that? But then one day, things went badly wrong. One day, that sweet friendship started to sour. So what turns this friendship sour? Well, Ellie sees Elvis hiding a bag of a big paper bag of bananas behind a bush. So he's hiding these bananas there. And then when she goes to look for them later, they're all gone. Ellie thinks to herself, he must have eaten them all by himself. Elvis is greedy. Elvis is greedy. Then Elvis sees Ellie placing that bag of oranges in a crook of a branch. And then when he goes and later to look for the oranges, the oranges are gone. And Elvis thinks to himself, she must have eaten them all by herself. Ellie is selfish. You see, the two best friends are in their feelings. Both of them show up later that night to, to engage in their nightly routine of, of dancing under the moon. But, but this time... The experience is very different. This time it's not sweet. The two friends show up bitter. The two friends show up with sourness in their heart towards each other. And the evening does not go according to plan. The best friends get into a big argument. 
And they both end up standing under the same coconut tree in opposite directions, filled with anger towards each other because of what they witnessed or assumed the other person did. The friendship is sour. Who can relate to having a sweet friendship or relationship that soured over time? Who is your Elliot? Who is your Elliot? For the Lord God, Israel, is his Elliot and Elvis. You see, he has a long, long historical covenant relationship with Israel. This relationship goes way back. It just didn't start in Hosea. I mean, it goes back generations. It's a long history here. And right now, I want you all to follow this. Follow me here. I want you all to picture this. The Lord, is, is he sits back in his heavenly recliner. I'm pretty sure if there's recliners in heaven, they're the best recliners ever. So he sits in his recliner. He, his head falls back, and, and, he, and he lets out this deep sigh. <sighs> my people, my people. His mind drifts takes a journey down memory lane. The Lord engages in historical retrospection about his long history with Israel. He remembers the time. He remembers the, the sweetness of his relationship with Israel that goes back into history. Do you remember the time when a certain relationship and friendship you had was sweet? Do you remember what it felt like? When you and that person fell in love, the good old days. When you and that person first became best friends, what did it feel like? It was sweet. Do you remember how it all began? The Lord remembers. He remembers how his relationship with Israel started. He, he re, first, he remembers how his covenant relationship with them began. He remembers finding Israel. He remembers seeing them. He remembers choosing them. He remembers adopting them. He remembers the time he decided to place his love and affection upon them. Please know they didn't choose him. He chose them. And he remembers that time. It was sweet and fruitful. Look at what he says in verse 10a. The Lord says, like grapes in the wilderness. Who finds grapes in the wilderness, right? I found Israel. Like the first fruit on the fig tree in its first season, I saw your fathers. These words of retrospection, again, they're, they're about all of Israel. They're about both kingdoms, the north and the southern kingdoms. And the grapes in the desert and, and the first fruit of the fig tree, they, this illustrates God's delight in his people. Amen, saints. Finding Israel in a barren land made him glad. Can you all picture it? It made him glad. He's emotionally blissful. See, see, smiling in his heavenly recliner as he remembers those days. He remembers the joy and the pleasure he felt when he decided to adopt Israel out of all the other nations in the world. He, he chose Israel. He remembers the pathetic words of Moses in Deuteronomy 7. Moses said to the people, God, your God, 
He chose you out of all the people on earth for himself as a, as a, as a cherished personal treasure. God wasn't attracted to you and didn't choose you because you were big and important. The fact is, you were almost nothing. There was almost nothing to you. He did it out of sheer love, keeping the promise he made to your ancestors. He remembers the time. He remembers Deuteronomy 39. It says, the Lord God took charge of his people, took Jacob as his personal concern. He found him out in the wilderness in an empty, windswept wasteland. He threw his arms around him, lavished upon him, guarding him as the apple of his eye. The Lord God was like an eagle hovering over its nest, overshadowing its young, then spreading its wings, lifting them up in the air, teaching them to fly. He remembers. He remembers, saints. He remembers the words he spoke to the people in Jeremiah 2. He says, I remember your youthful loyalty. Mm-mm-mm. Our love as newlyweds. You stayed with me through the wilderness years. Stuck with me through all the hard places. Israel was God's holy choice. The pick of the crop. And anyone who laid a hand on her would have wished he hadn't. This is God talking about his people. He also remembers what happened after they finally crossed over the Jordan under Joshua's leadership. He remembers commanding Joshua to, to get 12 stones from the, from the Jordan River. And then he remembers Joshua setting up those stones in Gilgad as a memorial forever to the Lord. He remembers Joshua's words to the people in Joshua 4. Joshua said, when the children ask their fathers in time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let the children know Israel passed over Jordan on dry land. Remember, God parted the sea twice, the Red Sea and the Jordan. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over it. And the Lord, as he did in the Red Sea, when he dried it up for us until we passed over so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. He remembers. He remembers the time. He remembers when he commanded Joshua in Joshua 5 to circumcise the, the new generation of Israelite men. These were the sons of the Israelites who were born during the 40 years in the wilderness. And the Lord remembers these new generation of Israelites celebrating the first Passover in the land of Canaan. That's a special moment. And he remembers these words to Joshua. He said to Joshua, today I have removed the shame of Egypt from you. That's what he said about his people when they crossed over. Today I have removed the shame of Egypt from all y'all. CBC Saints and Guests, can y'all picture what's happening here? On one hand, the Lord is sharing with the Northern Kingdom the sweet memories of his covenant relationship with their ancestors, sharing with them the time that that relationship was like Ellie and Elvis, the best of friends. It was a healthy covenant relationship. Now, on the other hand, he's getting ready to also share 
some sour memories, too. Everything wasn't always good with their ancestors. He remembers when the sweetness of that covenant relationship started to sour. Again, what sweet relationship in your life has soured over time? Just like the friendship with Ellie and Elvis, this relationship sours too. Do y'all remember where we left the two best friends sitting under the the coconut tree mad with each other? Do you remember why? Because they witnessed and assumed the other one did something. And so now they're mad with each other. And this is what God has with Israel. He's going to see them do something that soured his covenant relationship with them. He remembers Baal for our. He remembers then this memory, this particular memory, causes the smile on his face to fade. He's no longer smiling in that rocking, in that recliner, because this memory is transitioned to a sour memory. Scott Brown was a U.S. senator from Massachusetts from 2010 until 2013. In 2011, he had an interview with 60 Minutes to discuss his memoir. He shared what he experienced after visiting his childhood home. Brown said, I actually called a realtor and went in and took a tour and relived the kind of relive where everything was to make sure I wasn't kind of dreaming. When I left, man, I wish I had the money. I could buy this thing and just burn it down. I wish I had the money. I would just buy this thing. And burn it down. That's deep. That's revealing. You see, his, re- his visit to his childhood home brought back some painful memories for Mr. Brown. Memories of physical abuse by his stepfather. That home is a reminder of past trauma, pain, and hurt for him. Do you have a place that if you visited it today, it would bring back painful memories? Do you have that place? I have a place like that. It's a Garabas Italian restaurant. That's not funny. That was just something bad happened here. Waikid and I had one of our most painful conversations in this place 13 years ago, and we have yet to return to that place to eat. And don't ever plan on going back. Just talking about it now brings up the memories of that conversation. See, Belle Poror. It's such a place for the Lord God. Bad things happen there. This place is a mountain peak in Moab located east of the Jordan River. The ancestors of these current Israelites lived here in an area, lived here, uh, in an area called Shittim. And this is their last encampment before they crossed the Jordan. Their relationship with the Lord soured in this place. This place brings back to God some painful memories. Because there is where he witnessed the people who he delights in reject him. He saw them rebel against him. Look at verse 10. The Lord God said to the current Israelites, like grapes in the wilderness, I found Israel. Like the first fruits on a fig tree in this first season, I saw your fathers. But they came to Baal Horror and consecrated themselves to the things of shame and became detestable like the things they loved. 
the Lord remembers Numbers 25, verses 1 through 5, because this is what this is referring to. When the people first embraced the pagan god Baal, while they lived in Shittim, the men of Israel committed sexual immorality with Moabite women. They even accepted an invitation to participate in pagan worship. They sacrificed to the Moabite gods. They ate and bowed down to these gods. Numbers 25, verse 3 says, So they yoked himself, so Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor. And the anger of the Lord kindled against Israel. The ancestors of the northern kingdom abandoned their religious loyalty to the Lord God to dedicate themselves to a God named Baal. This is when it first happened. And he wants these current Israelites to know that their forefathers surrendered themselves to a thing of shame. Idolatry is shame. And so when you engage in an idolatry and whatever idol you worship, please know that is a thing of shame. He wants them to know that their ancestors became distasteful, just like their idolatry. He also wants them to know how their ancestors cursed a particular covenant blessing from him. If you have your Bible, please open it to Psalm 127. Or your Bible out. Psalm 127. We can begin at verse 3. Behold, children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Like an arrow in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. The ancestors of these current Israelites cursed this covenant gift from the Lord. And he fully remembers what they did. How do you think they cursed it? What do you think they did? They offered child sacrifices to Baal. So they weren't just, you know, worshiping this God. They were taking the very kids God has given them and sacrificing them to a pagan God. They sacrificed their sons and daughters to appease a false god of rain and fertility. They misused the covenant blessing of children. Turn over to Psalm 106, beginning in verse 34. Psalm 106, beginning in verse 34. It says, they, this is the people of Israel, they did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them, but they mingled with the nations and learned to do as they did. They served their gods, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and daughters to the demons, poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Thus, so they became unclean by their acts and prostituted themselves in their doings. Again, this is hard stuff. This is hard stuff. The Lord remembers this. He remembers the ups and
and downs of his covenant relationship with his people, both past and present. And here's the thing. God's journey down memory lane here is meant to give these Israelites a history lesson. And we're, we're good to learn from this history lesson. It's a, it's a history lesson in his patience with his unfaithful people. Because if you know anything about, again, this ain't God's first rodeo with Israel in Hosea 6. Read everything that leads up to this. This is a history lesson in his patience that seemed to be running thin in Hosea. It's a history lesson in a love that is long-suffering. It's a history lesson to show that these current Israelites are just like their ancestors. Just like them. It's a history lesson to show that idolatry is a generational sin among them. What generational sins you still living with that comes from your family? What generational curses you trying to break? We all got them. This is a history lesson to show that the sins of the fathers continue. Fathers, what sins are you committing now that you're going to pass on down to your next generation? It's a history lesson to show that their participation in child sacrifice is a generational curse because they're still doing it. Even in Hosea chapter 9, they are still offering their sons and daughters to appease a false god. Look at verse 13. I know this this is a different translation. The translation I'm going to read you is from the Septuagint. The Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. It says, Ephraim, as I have seen, have given their children for prey. Ephraim will bear his sons for slaughter. That's child abuse. That's a, a misuse of a covenant blessing. One scholar says, the major charge which God brings against his people in this passage is unfaithfulness to him, especially by offering child sacrifices. In order to preach this passage effectively, one must make clear the reason why child sacrifice was a temptation to Hosea's contemporaries. Scientific or agriculture in Hosea's day was not simply a matter of good farming techniques. According to canon night practices, one also had to appease the gods of rain and fertility and earth and so on. In a pre-industrial society, the primary means of acquiring wealth or even surviving the years was to grow a large enough crop. The sacrifice of a child to Baal was a painful but necessary loss. According to this view, to ensure that the fields would be fertile and that more children would be born in the family. Listen, they're turning to this God for blessings that they already got. How are we doing the same thing? How are we turning to our idols asking for blessings that we already got? The Lord is furious about this. Furious that the Israelites are misusing the gift of covenant kids. And as a result, he takes away the blessings. They would be infertile. 
They will, the ones that have kids will lose them and, and when they go to exile to Assyria. The Lord says to them, Ephraim's glory shall fly away like a bird. No birth, no pregnancy, no conception. Even if they bring up children, I will bereave them till none is left. Woe to them when I leave. And Hosea agrees with God. He says, look at verse 14. Hosea says, give them, O Lord, what would you give them? Give them a miscarried womb and, and drop a breast. That sounds harsh. But here's the question. Why will he continue to bless them with kids they're going to sacrifice to another God? Why are he going to continue to give you blessing that you're going to worship? Why? Why is he going to bless them with more covenant kids that they're going to place on the altar and sacrifice to a God that's not even real? Now, what does all this mean for us today? I know, I know. Listen, I'm ready to be done with Hosea too. Trust me. Well, none of us are participating in child sacrifice, at least I hope not. But all of us know what it means to misuse God's blessing. Many of us know what it means to, to, to abuse and abandon the things he has placed under us as stewards. Your kids, you steward of your kids. They're not really yours at the end of the day. Everything we have is God's, and we are stewards of it. Are we stewarding the things he's given us well, or are we abusing them and abandoning them, and are we worshiping them? Look at your life. It's easy to look at the heinous things and say, well, that's an idol, but what about your family? What about your job? What about your stuff? What about church? What about ministry? What about all those wonderful things that God has given you? How do we turn those into curses? How do we curse our blessings? You curse them when you worship them. You curse them when you love them more than you love God. You curse them when you think you can't live without them. And why would he give you more of those things if it's going to pull your heart away from them, farther away from them? God remembers the ups and downs of our covenant relationship with him. But guess what he would never ask you to do? Guess what he never asked Israel to do? Throughout all their generations of unfaithfulness, through all of their idolatry, through all of their sins, you know what he never asked them to do? Sacrifice your kids for me to make me happy as payment for your sin against me. Sacrifice them for me. Build an altar and share their blood for me to appease me so you can get more of my goodness. He never, you can read through the Old Testament uh, on and on. And the one time it was going to happen, he provided the sacrifice. You see, you got to understand, your idols demand more of you than God's. And they'll never give you what he can give them. Because here's the thing. The only sacrifice that appeases the wrath of God towards sin is his own son. Please know that. The only sacrifice to appease him was him sacrificing himself. If that don't give you give me an amen, nothing ever will. 
And guess what? Now, when he remembers your sins, when he remembers the times that you and him are not in a good place, when he remembers those times when, when, when things have moved from sour to sweet, he also remembers, oh, yeah, my son took care of that for you. Oh, yeah, I sent my son to deal with that for you. Oh, yeah, my son died because of your struggles with pornography. Oh, yeah, my son died because uh, uh, you struggle with gluttony. Oh, yes, my son died because of you struggle with lying. Oh, yes, my son died because you, you struggle with sexual immorality. Oh, yes, I remember your sin, but I also remember what my son did for you. But do you remember? You know that term, let me pull this up here. This is not in my notes, but the Spirit wants me to go there, so I'm going to go there. Gilgad, do you know what that means in Hebrew? It means roll away. Do you remember what, what happened when Israel was at Gilgad, what God did for them, that he told them, today I roll away, I take away the shame of Egypt. But, but, but here's the thing, when, we, when they engage in idolatry, they are entering back into the shame. The shame that he delivered them from, they running right back to it. And that's what, that's what that, and, that, and I struggle with sin, please know that, is you running back to the shame he saved you from. Is you running back to the vomit that he shaved you from. And the only way to get freedom from that is through repentance and reconciliation. You see, our friends, Ellie and, 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 and Elvis, what happened to them, it was a misunderstanding because it was the monkey who had all the fruit in the story. And when they found that out, they reconciled. They came back together. And the only way for us to be reconciled with God it's through faith in Jesus Christ. And when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you and him are not in a good place. When you and him are in a sour place, the way to get the sweetness back is not by you working harder. It's not by you doing more stuff. It's not about you trying to do more good things that outweigh the bad things. It's by you getting down on your knees and saying, Father, forgive me. And that's what Christ has done for and when we look at Hosea, all of Hosea should remind us, man, we are jacked up. And we should say, thank God Jesus came. Because everything in the Old Testament pushes us to Christ. It pushes us to a need for a greater Savior. But do we believe that? So as you go out this week, Hold two things in reality. Yes, God's going to remember our up, my ups and downs with him. But he's also going to remember that the blood of Christ never loses its power. You've got to keep both of those in view. If you want joy this week, you better keep both of those in view. If you want to not live in the, the, the guilt of your sin, depress you, you need to keep both of those in view. Can y'all do that? Can I do that? I told the guys in my men's group, I don't believe one I don't believe much of anything I tell y'all up here. 
at the end of the day. I can give the best counsel, but when it comes to me believing this stuff for myself, it is hard. It is hard. So that's one way y'all can pray for your pastor, that I will learn to be kind to myself. Because I can give all the great advice, but when it comes to my, maybe you're like me, when it comes to our own life, it's hard to believe that we're beloved. But I want you to know you're beloved. And when you get up in the morning, you may need to look in the mirror and say, say to yourself, I'm beloved today. Yeah, I'm going to fall short. Yeah, I'm going to make mistakes. But I'm also beloved. So let us do that this week. Ask the Holy Spirit to help us remember the time we became beloved. Let us pray. Holy Spirit. As we leave this place, as we go back out and do life and the places where we do life, will you help us to remember who we are? Help our unbelief. Help our idolatry. And help us know that what Christ has done is complete. We don't have to sacrifice ourselves. It's already done. So I pray that we'll be able to live in the grace and the freedom and the forgiveness that Christ has purchased for us. And I pray that you would do that for our good and for the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Will y'all please stand, saints, as we close our service.
much for uh, joining us today. Also, if you're going to go on the community walk, uh, please meet up here after the service and patients will give instructions. Uh, also, we have leadership training tonight. Please pray for that. And next Saturday, bring a friend to the church picnic. We're going to have a good time, so invite your friends to it as well. Now, here's God's benediction to his beloved. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And all God's people said, Amen. Please greet one another. Thanks. If you're going on the community.